Bom dia. Buenos dias, buongiorno. Zau shanhao. Buna dimenata. Sabahir. Good morning. Yeah, that's good. Um, if this is your first time here, it's a big welcome to you, and I hope you enjoy the service. Uh, we are in a series of uh, Bible talks called Stand Firm, based on the Bible book of Ephesians. And the goal with this series is to raise awareness about areas of life where society is increasingly confused and lost, and we as Christians, what, what is our position in the middle of that? As Christians, we must know the reasons why we believe what we believe and why we support or not certain ideas. You can catch up with what has been said on our YouTube channel. I really recommend that. We had amazing talks over the last three uh, weeks. Um, so, I need your help to find out what the next slide is. Yeah, anyone guess? This is the picture of the deep universe. Isn't that amazing? The diversity, the, uh, actually the, the, the word universe is all made into one. So despite diversity, there is a, a oneness in all of it. So the next picture, please. Do you know what that is? Yeah, you see the arrow? The arrow is the borough of Hounslow, and the colors represent the ethnic diversity of the borough. Of course, it's not detailed. It's just five groups of people, right, of, of, of types, of ethnicities. But that is also a showcase for our church. Um, now, can you do the next one, please? Yeah. You see the similarity? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So, we celebrate diversity. And for example, last week's service, we had on stage a South African, a Chilean, a Romanian, some British, and, um, oh yeah, the American, and, okay, <laughs> nothing's perfect, <laughs> it's a joke, it's a joke, Jason, okay, okay, <laughs> well, that diversity is great, is great, and we really celebrate it, but the question is, can we celebrate diversity and be united at the same time, as the word universe suggests? So today, we are going to talk about to how to stand firm upholding unity in diversity. And the book, as I said, in Ephesians, that's the text we're going to uh, read if you have your Bible with you. Ephesians 2 from uh, verses 11 and 2, 22, and then uh, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. It's a, a bit long text, but it's always worth it to read the scripture. Okay, it reads like that. Therefore, remember that formerly you 
who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and had destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in the flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both to them, both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and raises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now, chapter 3, verses 10 to 12. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Amen. So, Paul is writing to Ephesus, and Ephesus was the main city in Asia Minor, which is today's Turkey. It had about 250,000 inhabitants. It was an important port as part of the trade route from the Far East to Rome. So it became very rich and diverse. The church in Ephesus was just a reflection of that diversity, which is good. But it also creates big challenges. And one of the most important was how to keep the unity. But you may ask, what, 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 but what was the problem hindering unity in that context? Okay, I'll give you just a little bit of, of, of insight. Okay, most churches at that time were planted and started with Jews. That was part of Paul's strategy as well. He would go to a synagogue, and when he was new in a town or city, he would go to a synagogue, preach the gospel. Those that believed, he would then <clears throat> have them, and then another group of Gentiles would uh, be added, and then the church would start. So, for the Jews, 
that believed Jesus was the Messiah for the non-Jews that believed Jesus was a savior, the savior of the world, savior of their own lives. So um, then I'll, 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 I'll give a little bit more of, of the insight because uh, Paul, in my understanding this text, he's dealing... He's trying to address two types of mentality that were present regardless of ethnicity. And, and, and there are two types of mentality present there. And then I'll expand a little bit more of, about the diversity and the problem of unity, okay? So the first mentality was the mentality of the entitlement. In the verse 11, you find it, okay? So, and, and, and who were prone to be, you know, like feeling or thinking that they were entitled to something. First of them were the Jews, because they were the people of the covenant. They, 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 they even uh, treated non-Jews as dogs. They used the expression dogs. And they did not sit down and eat with, with them. They were really, their lives were in, in, a, in a close community. They didn't have a lot to do with those who were not uh, part of the Jewish community. So the Jewish, the man, all men in that time, they also were entitled because if you were a woman or a child, your rights were far less than the men. The Roman citizens, in relation to other citizens, they had more rights than the others. And then they slave masters. Now, can you imagine that the church in Ephesus had all of them? Okay? So, the slave, uh, the, the, uh, again, the Jews thought they were entitled because they were people of God. The men thought they were entitled because they were men. They were the boss in the household, okay? Or at least they thought. Um, and then the Roman citizens were on the side of the political power and the conquerors. So they also thought they were a better race, okay? And then they were civilized. And then they, we had the slave masters, which in that time, it was not about the skin color. The, slaves, the slave masters or the slaves, they were conquered people by the Roman Empire. They were brought from all over. So, it was a, a little bit more than, than, than ethnic problems. It was about being disempowered from the perspective of the slaves and empowered by the perspectives of the slave masters. They were on top. And they held power of death and life, of punishment, of marriage. They decided about everything in the slave's life, okay? So, 
you might think, well, what does that have to do with me today? Hold on. Okay. The second type of mentality is prone or is natural to the people on the other side of the fence, which are, first of all, the Gentiles, non-Jews, because they were treated as non-deserving. They were treated like they were second class. Because, of course, Jesus was, was, was a Jew. The apostles were all Jew. And they were Gentiles. Although they believed, they were not part of the holy people. Okay? Now, we have the women in the congregation that were powerless in terms of rights. Okay? And then we had the non-Roman citizens, which was kind of weird because they were conquered. And in there, in the congregation, they had conquerors and conquered in the same place. And now we have the slaves. Conquered, defeated, subjugated in the same room. I come from a place, uh, I, I used to live in a village in Brazil where in colonial times they had two churches. One church for the white and one church for the black. This is not the case in Ephesus. They were one community, one church where all these people came together. Now, how can you hold unity in such diversity? Again, not only diversity in terms of ethnics or ethnicity, but with all sorts of stories, all sorts of problems, resentment, Grief, thoughts of entitlement, and thoughts of disempowerment. Wow. I, I, I didn't want to be poor in this situation, to be honest. But now, Paul, of course, leaves us this amazing text where we can understand a little bit of how he tackles the problem. And the first thing that I want to, to say is that he explains how grace has nothing to do with entitlement or unworthiness. Grace has to do with kingdom mentality or kingdom of God's mentality. He explains the kingdom's perspective to that people, to, the, to those people who were in this situation of, of diversity and problematic. So, you, you may not agree with me with this, but here, here, I, here I go. Okay. <laughs> the first perspective is that 
we are not special. And I know that in our time, you hear this a lot everywhere you go, from cartoons to Hollywood movies and, and so on and so forth. People saying, you are special. You are special. Even in churches, you find many people saying that you are special. But the perspective of the kingdom is not that. You are not special. And grace is a proof of that. Because grace is based not because you are special. It's given to you not because you're special. On the contrary. It's, it's, it's because you need it. It's because I need it. We are not special. And sorry to throw your ice cream on the floor. <laughs> People nowadays feel entitled because since childhood, people keep telling them, you're special, you're special, you're special, you're such a special person. And then they, they grow up to think they are entitled to something in this life. And when they are not given what they think they are entitled to, they rebel. And they make other people's lives misery. But Paul, in the first verse we read, he says, remember who you were when you were in the world. Well, in the world here doesn't mean the planet Earth. It means this place in terms of existence. Not a physical place, but in terms of existence, where you exist without Christ. And for him, there is this duality, if I can say that. In one hand, or you are in the world, living according to the values and system of the world, the present humanity, how everybody thinks, or you are in Christ. Okay? If you are in the world, in the world you have no value. You are not special. You are not entitled to anything. And last week, uh, Jason, even in his preach, he said um, uh, part of, of, of uh, the last chapter we read, uh, or the beginning of this chapter, saying that it is by grace we are saved, not by works, so no one, no one can, can boast. And that's the thing. You are not special. I am not special. And the second, second thing about kingdom's perspective is that even though we are not special, Jesus has made us God's family. He accepted us. He made a way so we can be part of God's family. In Christ... We are taken from no worth, Gentiles, not part of God's people, not part of anything, and being brought close, but not only close, but citizens of his kingdom, but not only citizens of his kingdom, but part of his household, part of his family. 
and, and I don't know about you, but I get very happy that this happened to me. I've, I'm very excited that this happened to me, that I can be called a child of God. Amen. And not because of what I've done, or, I've, or, 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 or because of what I, I didn't do, but because of what He did, of what He has done for us. He has. So, Paul says, remember. Remember what Jesus has done. Verses 18 to 19 He's quite clear in what Jesus has done. It, it's a lot of things I, I can't. I don't have time to go specifically to every detail. It's so rich. But I, I would like to point out one thing that is important for us in terms of dealing with diversity. He destroyed the wall of division. He destroyed the wall of division. And the idea that Paul has here. Is, is the temple of Jerusalem, because in the temple they had a place where the Jews would come, but it was divided to a, it was divided, and then there was another place where the Gentiles were allowed to come. The Gentiles didn't have access to the main place of worship. They had to stay outside. There was this wall of division. This is what he's saying. Before, Jews and Gentiles, they were divided. But now they can be united into one people, the church. Because the church is this new dwelling place. It is this new temple that God is building. God is creating for himself. So we can come together and worship. So... If you were in the time of the temple, if you were a Jew, the wall meant entitlement. The gent for the Gentile, the wall meant unworthiness. Now, is there in your heart, any walls of division that can be manifested in a mentality of entitlement or a mentality of unworthiness about this congregation, about our church. You might say, well, we don't have that type of diversity, so, but don't be deceived, because pride and arrogance are the root of that type of division. And because we are culturally diverse, it can play with our preferences. It might be that you enter and then you listen or you, you take part in the worship, but in your, in your head you say, oh, this is not like Brazil. 
Worship in Brazil, you know, we are emotional, you know, we cry and we jump and we dance, you know, and we, we shout. And, and it's not in Portuguese. <laughs> Or you can say, ooh, this is too contemporary. The songs. Oh, I love the old hymns. I prefer, you know, a little bit quieter. And these people, they don't know how to worship properly. You see, these are wall of division. And they are based on preference. This is about preference. When I am in my car, I worship how I like. <laughs> sometimes it's rock, sometimes it's samba. Sometimes it's classical. Because I choose, it's my preference, right? But when I am in a community, We do what is uniting and common to us. That doesn't mean that we don't respect our diversity. As I said, last week we had such a richness of diversity in here. And we could worship. Because for God, it's not about preference. For God, it's about attitude. It's about the heart. But also... I talked about entitlement, but sometimes people also might think I'm not worthy to be part of this. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. I am unworthy. But that also is a wall of division. Because grace made us equal. Isn't that beautiful? Grace has made us equal. In the eyes of God, all of us need a Savior. Each one of us need Jesus to save us, to make us into God's family. Without Him, we are nothing, regardless where you come from. It is in Him that we are something. This is beautiful. Now, can you imagine, if, if, if you close your eyes and think about Ephesus, and then think, okay, how slaves and slave masters could worship together in the same place if not by the grace of God and understanding their new identity. And that's why Paul says on, the, on, on, on chapter 3, he says, in him, in him, 
And through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, can you imagine, because the, the, can you imagine a slave woman in that time listening to this, coming to the place of worship, facing the slave master, but being able to be free. Maybe the only freedom that she experienced was in that time and place. So she could approach God who didn't judge her because of her social status, but embraced her because she believed in Jesus and received her into his family. And then she could be free and worship. But at the same time, the proud Jew could humble himself and say, without Jesus, I am nothing. The third thing that Paul says is that we are a work in progress. We are being built. Verses 21 and 22 says that we are being built. It is a process. But we are not being built alone. We are together, being built together to become. Built together to become. We need each other to become what God has planned. I want to close this talk with the quote from Obai N.T. Wright talking about the unity in Ephesians. He says, The united church is not an optional extra to the work of redemption, but is itself part of the reality of gospel. The way in which God is taking forward his plan for the whole cosmos to radiate with his glory. So the church is a place where we are always learning what it means to be in Christ. I was, as I was preparing this talk, I felt strongly in my heart to pray for one specific thing this morning. I personally struggled with unworthiness. For a good part of my first years as a Christian, because of my, the way I was brought up, I felt unworthy, and it was a wall of division between me and God, but also between myself and others. And I would like to pray about this this morning. 